Hey, enough already. We got politicians, 81 years old, freezing on the stage. Enough. We need term limits. We got an old guy that can't even see or think and looks like this in the White House. Diane Feinstein, her face is about ready to melt off. I got to talk about it. And Don't At Me starts right now. Hey, pictures paint a thousand words. They really do. And let's just go to the video and you tell me, do we need term limits? Should this guy, Mitch McConnell, be leading our country? One of the most powerful men in the world. Here it is. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. That's oh. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. Senator. Penny. Somebody else have a question? Please speak up. That's just sad. Like, I've seen that 10 times, and that's just sad. I don't know any other way to put it. I mean, you're standing up there with your grandpa, and he just freezes in front of the world. You know, this is the minority leader. This is a guy who is in a serious leadership position in our country, and this is who is leading our country. And look, ladies and gentlemen, the question was, are you going to run for re-election? Been in office since February... February 1st, 1975, 1975, Indiana's basketball team was undefeated before Scott May broke his arm. I was a little kid. 1975, February 1st, he first held a public office and he's still going and his family and everybody involved is so tied into the power of Mitch McConnell that they they put him in front of cameras when he clearly can't function. Look, power corrupts, and I've said this before, power does not only corrupt the individual, power corrupts the entire family. The entire family gets drunk with it. The entire family lives off it. I saw it with Bob Knight. Bob Knight, icon, blah, 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 blah. His ridiculous son, Timmy, then started a business. That business involved, well, at one point, the attorney general of the state of Indiana stepping into our office. The whole family gets drunk with it. The whole family sleeps with it. The whole family wants it, loves it, needs it. The whole family wants the tickets. The whole family wants to go to Keeneland. The whole family wants to get tickets. The whole family wants to go to Keeneland. The whole family wants to go to tickets, wants to go to Keeneland. It's a never-ending cycle with them. This to this to this to this. We can't stop because if we don't, we're no longer important. I always said Bob Knight, my last years at Indiana, didn't want to coach. He just liked being Bob Knight. And as soon as he wasn't Bob Knight on TV, on the sideline, then it didn't matter. It wasn't important to him. I'm just telling you, I've seen it, and I've seen it, and we, saw, we see it in the president's office. Dianne Feinstein, are you kidding me? It's all over the place. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, the whole thing is ridiculous. The whole thing is idiotic. Hey, look, I don't care what term limits you put in, but I'm telling you right now, it, this type of thing is not going to stop. Because power corrupts, and when you have major league power, hey, Mitch McConnell's going to go to the Kentucky game. Well, you better put him in the first row. 
Hey, Mitch McConnell wants seats to the World Series. You better put him in the first row. Hey, Mitch McConnell wants to go to the opening of something. Well, you better put him in the first row. Hey, Mitch McConnell wants a seat at the best restaurant in the world. You better put him in the first row. Hey, a super PAC's going to fall. Better put, we'll do it. Man, oh man, power corrupts and you're seeing it here and it is sad. It is very sad. His family sucks. The fact that his family won't stop this. The fact that his family doesn't say enough. No mas. Uh, No mas. No mas. No more. We're done. Goodbye. Look, these folks always talk about service to the country and good for them. But that is crap and we know it. The modern service to the country is power and money. You tell me. You tell me how does Joe Biden own two homes, five million each. You tell me, being a politician his whole, his whole career. I don't know about you, but all you got to do is look up his salary. Basically, it was $171,000 a year for a long time. Now he makes about $400,000 a year. Look, you're not buying $5 million houses on $171,000 a year for years and years, and then $400,000 a year for a couple years just ain't happening. Power corrupts. And this is sad, and I blame his family. Uh, I blame Mitch McConnell. Look, I'm really into blaming the person that's doing it. This man wants that power. This man. And don't give me that crap. He still has work to do. He got nothing to do. He's done nothing in 47 years. I mean, he ain't going to do anything now. So the idea that this guy needs to be in power is ridiculous. I don't care the term limits. I'm not the guy that has to make those decisions. But we can't have this. This is embarrassing. It's ridiculous. All right. Speaking of politics, Vivek Ramaswamy, is it going to be Trump? Vivek 2024. If I'm Vivek Ramaswamy, again, I use the Bob Knight narrative. Nobody ever gets out of Trump clean. Think about it. Think about, is there anybody in the sphere of Donald Trump that has a good relationship with him and got out without some type of crazy investigation where you had to show your blind loyalty to Donald Trump? No. The answer is no, Bob Knight. Nobody gets out clean. Egomaniacs, nobody gets out clean. Now, if I'm Ramaswamy, I'm taking the gig. Why? It's the second most powerful gig in the world. Eh, that's not true. The Russian, the, eh, that's not true at all. No, no, let me retract the last five seconds. I wrote it down to say that, and it looked right, but it's not. Look, I don't care, but when you end up dealing with Donald Trump, You end up in some type of nonsense. You end up in some type of Bolshevik. You end up in some type of of garbage, and it never ends well. Don't do it, Vivek. Don't. Maybe you can go ahead if you are, uh, I don't know, if you have a kid with your husband, you could have eight weeks and become Pete Buttigieg and the guy with the Department of Transportation under Trump. I don't know. But I'm telling you, man, do not do it because nobody gets out unscathed with Donald Trump. And right now, right now, you're the guy, baby. You're the guy that everybody wants to see. You're the guy that everybody wants. You're the guy. And as the guy, don't screw it up. The last thing you need is like 100 different lawsuits. The feds just by being associated with Trump. I hope you do. I hope it's either him or Nikki Haley. But hell, I don't know. Uh, Coldplay got himself a $30 million lawsuit. Now, here's the deal. Uh, Anyone, anytime, anywhere, right now, is there anybody that can get out without a lawsuit? Is there anybody, anytime, anywhere, that you're like, hey, you know what? We had a great run. And no lawsuits? Of course not. We are litigious. 
We are, and I'm going to talk about another one coming up here in a little bit. But I got to tell you, Coldplay's is interesting to me, and I'll tell you why I bring this up. Coldplay, when I was trying to woo the lovely Lee Ross, I thought I was cool. I did. I thought I was cool. I'm like, you know, baby, you know, baby. Let's go to a Coldplay concert in England. I liked one song, and I can't even remember it now. But their former manager is suing the band because they refused to pay him. Now, that seems fairly innocuous. That seems fairly easy. Hey, look, you didn't pay me. You didn't pay me. David Holmes managed this band for 22 years. Now, I'm going to put a tweet out. Hey, can you guys put a Twitter poll out? Do you like Coldplay? This guy managed the band for 22 years. The group said, all right, enough. They agreed to extend his contract, but they said, nah, 22. They said enough. Now, Chris Martin et al., well, he's saying Chris Martin et al. never paid him. They say he never paid him. Look, I'm owed $13 million. Now, you got to understand. Listen to this. Coldplay's one of the highest-selling acts ever. Like, Coldplay's up there. Like, if you were going to say to me, okay, who could fill any stadium anywhere, I think Coldplay might be on that list. You got to pay the man. You got to pay the man for his work. You did halftime show. You said you were extending his contract. But the reason I'm bringing this up is I like Coldplay. I like things that have something in my, my sphere. When I was trying to be something that I'm really not. I'm not cool, but I tried to be cool using Coldplay. I know Coldplay. What is, what is the song that Coldplay does? I don't know. But I don't know. That's just what I did. Anyway, Mark Cuban is not liking potheads. See, I'm with Mark Cuban. Everybody says that pot doesn't hurt you. And I agree. You've never seen, I don't know, a big riot because of pot. You've never seen a pot-infused Hey, we're going to go beat everybody up because we're high. No. Pot's more towards sleep-ins. Pot's more towards, ah, let's just sit here and think about it. You know what I mean? But Cuban's like, look, we don't need all this crap. We don't need pot all over the place. Now, I will tell you this. I love Mark Cuban. I think he's great. But there is no chance that if Kevin Durant could come on the cheap, and he smoked weed like a crazy person. A Cuban would turn it down. I've traded guys because they smoke too much. You don't want them going down that road. They're smoking. How powerful the Blake you're doing is. And then there's how much you do. If you get past that level, there's a chance you might drag someone with you. You got to look at a bigger picture. It's just not the culture. I don't think anybody has a problem with that. <clears throat> look, you can tell me all you want. That pot is harmless, and maybe it is. Hell, I don't know. But I know this. Dudes that show up high don't practice well. Dudes that are constantly high don't practice well. Dudes that are always high, moderately high, don't practice well. Hell, a lot of teams have had guys show up and practice high in college, and coaches have had to cancel practice. I had a policy, if you smoke weed, you're done. That's an outdated policy. And I only had to use it once. I did. only had to use it once. I told the kid, look, what are you doing? We're not smoking weed here. We're not doing drugs. I get it's outdated. I I wouldn't do it again. But I also don't want a bunch of dudes smoking weed. And there are limits to what you can have. But I'm telling you right now, Kevin Durant can smoke a freaking pound of grass a minute. And if Mark Cuban had a chance to sign him 
for $10 million, $20, 30000000 million a year, he would sign him today, tomorrow, the next day. So while I'm all in on Cuban, and it sounds really good, I got two words for you. Bah! Hey, apparently, apparently anything to do with LeBron James must be defended. That's right. Anything to do. Remember LeBron James back when he went to L.A.? allegedly had racial slurs on painted on his property that he bought. Of course, the camera didn't work. Of course, nothing ever came with it. It was an old John Thompson trick. Old John Thompson, the coach at Georgetown, he, when he was going to get fired, painted racial slurs on the court and made a big stink about it. Next thing you know, they kept John Thompson. I think it's a true story. His son, uh, Ronnie Thompson, tried it at Ball State, and they're like, yeah, get out of here. Well, Everything to do with LeBron James must be defended. Vicky, Victoria McGee, senior director of the LeBron James Family Foundation, is mad because Akron Public Schools outed her school, the I Promise School, because none of the kids there are getting educated. None of the kids there learn their gazindas. None of the kids learn to read and write and arithmetic. They're just sitting there. Nobody can pass any tests. No one can pass any state proficiency test. Now, let me ask you a question. Victoria McGee, how about instead of blaming somebody else, you take a little responsibility, make the school better. Your actions degraded every Akron public school educator that has ever taught the current and past, I promise students, you've singled out locally and nationally. Absolutely. It was hurtful to the LeBron James Family Foundation, but more importantly, detrimental to our students. No, it wasn't. No, this is what Victoria McGee doesn't understand. Should be a kick in the ass to these students. You go to I Promise, you're dumb. That's what kids on the street would say. You go to I Promise, you can't pass a test. That's what kids on the street would say. Now, you see that as hurtful. I see that as motivating. And I Promise and the LeBron James Family Foundation ought to get off their ass and do something about their school instead of whining about being outed for being a horse bleep school. Now, that's just my view. Your view may be different. You may go with Victoria McGee or whatever the hell her name is. I guarantee you Victoria McGee is one of those folks that doesn't take accountability for anything. I promise you. If this is your school, if you are the spokesman, then get off your ass, hire some teachers that can educate. Quit talking about whatever it is you're talking about and start talking about reading, writing, arithmetic. Start being demanding on a student. Education isn't hard. You hold people accountable. You get great teachers, you get great people, you know what I mean? And away you go. That's it. Out. Done. Don't at me. I want to hear about it. But of course, when it's LeBron James, he can wear his fancy suit, he can wear his million-dollar sunglasses, he can hold a mic with his manicured fingers like he's a star, but the bottom line, when all the media leaves, when LeBron James is back in L.A., that school doesn't teach anybody anything. And it needs to change if you want to continue to be a school. And some lady bitching about it will get sympathy in the media. But sympathies between you-know-what and syphilis in the dictionary. That's all I got. Hey, the gift that keeps on giving is this Luis Rambles, the mad kisser, the mad smoocher, who put the big smooch on the Spanish woman after they won the World Cup. I got a couple things for you on this guy. He is at war with his own crew. He ain't happy with his own team. He is at war. They want to suspend him, but it gets even better or worse, depending on your perspective. You know what his mother did? Her mother just checked into the hospital. Why? 
because she went on a hunger strike. She locked herself in a church. She locked herself in a church. I'm not eating because you're mad at my son. Hey, lady, I don't care. Don't eat. I looked at her. She could lose. She could use, uh, you know, stand to lose a few pounds. Eh, whatever. But this guy and his team, his team's pissed. His team's pissed. His team is hot. His team is after him every single day. Like they want him suspended. They want him suspended. And you know what he says? Hey, look. What are you going to do? Here's the bottom line. Rumbelays had the evidence, though. He's got the smoking gun. He sent FIFA and his team new footage of Jenny Hermosa, who's the girl he kissed, and him laughing about his kiss. Really? Jenny Hermosa, somewhat typical now. Uh, we've seen this. The whole don't oh, the whole always believe the woman thing has turned out to be crap. But of course, my sister, 25-year prosecutor, domestic violence, said that to me when the whole movement was going on. He's like, she's like, damn, that's a bunch of crap. People, women lie all the time about these things. This Jenny Hermosa didn't say nothing. And then the media got all excited. And then people got outraged. He violated you, yeah? Well, there's a video of Hermosa and Rumbleys laughing about the kiss. I don't know. You tell me. We all know the deal. We all know the deal. We just can't say the deal except on OutKick because we can tell you the truth. But you know what? They kissed. Who cares? Seriously, who cares? I don't. But I do think it's funny. And mom, get yourself something to eat. Serious bit. Get, get yourself a carrot. I don't know. Get yourself a nice salad. I mean, nobody care. I'm going on a hunger strike. Really? That's also called intermittent fasting. Hey, our uh, teachers union president, Randy Weingarten, who is always in the news, she, of course, is one of the most awful, in my opinion, human beings walking the face of the earth. She's ruined education. Of course, she doesn't blame anybody but herself. Social media companies should be held accountable for the impact on young people's mental health and well-being. There's great resources here. Really? It's not your fault? Really? It's not the fact that our teachers are hamstrung in the classroom? Look, you guys think of teachers, or maybe I do too. We think of teachers, and of course we think, well, you know, all they're doing is all they're doing is try to influence and groom our kids. That's not how, how I view teachers. That's not what I think of teachers. I don't think of teachers that way. I really don't. I think of teachers as educators. I think of teachers as disciplinarians. I think of teachers as mentors. And I think we need to get back to that. And I think we need to allow teachers to discipline kids. I think we need to allow teachers to dominate their classrooms. I think we need to allow teachers to have a firm hand and support that firm hand. There's a difference between firm hand and abuse. The big difference. And we need to quit all the crap. We need to quit all the crap that isn't true and get back to teaching our kids because this lady can get on a bullhorn. This lady can talk about equity. This lady can talk about whatever she wants. But education in this country is embarrassing. It is absolutely 1,000% embarrassing and we should be ashamed of it. If we're ashamed of anything, it should not be the fact that we have some crazy man in the White House. It should not be the fact that we can't find anybody that's willing to run that's in their 40s or 50s or 60s or even, I guess, Trump's still in his 70s. 
It's that our education system in our country is broke, it's awful, it's weak, it's disgusting, and this lady with her big-ass mouth can yell, scream all she wants. But the fact of the matter is she runs the biggest teachers' union in the country, and on her watch, test scores are no good, discipline is no good, violence is high in our schools, buildings are run down, the whole thing stinks, and we should be embarrassed. You know... Drive by Manual High School sometime here in the great state of Indiana. Drive by Tech. We got shooting. You know what was supposed to happen? The state lottery in Indiana was created in the early 1990s. It was all supposed to go to education. It was all supposed to go to money for teachers, money for buildings, money for the state of Indiana to be used for education. Once they saw how much money there was, they said, yeah, we ain't doing that. It's ridiculous. Stinks. I don't like it. I don't like it a bit. Let's go to some video on this lady, Weingart. We spent every day from February on trying to get schools open. We knew that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools. She's awful. She's lying, too. She was all foreclosing. Reckless, callous, cruel teachers. She denounces Trump plan to reopen school. I mean, they just lie. Isn't it amazing? So she's sitting there telling Congress, uh, and if, you, if you're big fat and you say it loud enough, then you believe what you're saying. I mean, next time you see some big and yelling and screaming, I'm telling you, skinny people don't necessarily, I'm telling you, you guys get mad at me, it's always true. Skinny people don't always believe what they're saying, so they talk in quieter tones. The biggins, they get loud. Munchausen by proxy, you look it up. It doesn't really equate here, but it kind of does. So she's sitting there big and loud, reckless, callous, cruel, teachers cheap, denounces plan to reopen schools, but she's sitting there. Let, all right, we see this here. Let's play Weingarten's vid, uh, video again. Let's play it. We spent every day from February on trying to get schools open. We knew that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools. And now let's play the headline from The Guardian. Let's show the headline from The Guardian right here. The woman's a liar. But everybody's a freaking liar. Honest to God. Everyone just looks at the world and says, which way can I go? Which way can I go? Uh, well, let me read the tea leaves here. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, let me leave this side. Hang on a second. Okay, yeah. Okay, all right, uh, we'll go this way now. Just lie. Just get up there and lie. Not nah, good for them. I mean, I guess if you can get away with it, I guess if the far left media doesn't care, then hey. College football tonight, baby, and I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. Don't at me about this. I'm thinking. Don't at me when I tell you. I am taking Florida tonight. I'm going to get into the Super League. I'm going to get into all of it, but I am taking Florida. Let me explain to you. This is going to be tough for you to understand, all right? College football players are all about the work, the good teams, all right? So I'm Florida. You know what Florida has spent the last months because I'm sure they got an advanced copy of. You know what they spent the last months doing watching Swamp Kings? At least episodes one and two. Where Urban Meyer pushes, the players respond by leading, by demanding, 
and by working. By working. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If I am a Florida football player, I am not doing anything other than trying to live up to the expectation of what I've seen in Swamp Kings. Hold on a second. You want to be a national champion, Florida? Then you damn sure better work like what the guys that won a national championship worked. Period. So Florida's going to go into Utah, a really, really tough place to play. And Florida's going to win this football game tonight for no other reason than this. You want the truth? Cam Rising isn't playing. He's a stud quarterback. He ain't playing. The backup is good. Where did I put the backup's numbers? I got him here somewhere on one of my thousands of sheets that I have. Backup threw for like 400 yards last year. He's a good player. He's a nice player. Let's see here. Bryson Barnes, 37, 57, 430 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Mm. Take the Gators. Take the Gators. And also Dylan is betting on Utah. And I've got a new thing. It's called Fade Dylan. Anyway, uh, we're all up in arms. Pat Forty and the rest. Pat Forty and the rest are saying, wait a second, we're getting Super Leagues. Of course we're getting Super Leagues. It's going to be a 40-50 team alliance. And I like it. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I am a big fan of the Mac. I am. I'm a big fan of Mac shit. I like the fact that there's football on every night. But I'll also be honest with you, the games are unwatchable. There's nobody in the stands. It's crappy weather. The players are okay. Well, Roethlisberger came from the MAC. Yeah, I know. A lot of great players came from the MAC. Compare that with what we're going to see tonight in Utah. Compare that with what we're going to see every Saturday and Sunday at, oh, I don't know, the biggest and the best, the top 40. No comparison. So there's no reason really not to have a 40 or 50, whatever you decide, Super Leagues. It's coming. It's not going to be named this, but basically what you're going to have is the Big Ten division and the SEC division. And it's going to be basically like the American League and the National League. They'll figure out inside how to play it. You'll come out of one. They'll come out of the other. You'll play for the National Championship after we get through a 12-team tournament. That's what's going to happen. And it's really no big deal. It's really no, well, I didn't see that coming. We've all seen this coming for a long, long time. We have. We've seen this coming a long time. We knew this was coming back in the day, and I ain't mad about it. See, in the great state of Indiana, we're only starting to care about college football. I give Purdue credit. They've always had nice crowds. Not great, nice. They'll have a massive crowd for the Ohio State game. Indiana will have a massive crowd for the Ohio State game coming up here on Saturday. But the truth of the matter is, we really don't care about college football. If you want to get your ratings to tank in Indianapolis or the state of Indiana, talk about college football. Talk about anything other than IU basketball and the Colts and the ratings go to hell in a handbasket. But that's all right. That's no problem. But college football is back. Major divisions are coming. And I got no problem with it. And neither should you. Tonight, It's simple. You take Florida, you take the four and a half points. If you lose, at least you knew you made the right bet. 
That's a gambler's lament, right? Hey, look, I made the right bet. I don't care if I lost. I know I did the right thing. Yeah? All right. Whatever you say, man. Whatever you say. Look, there's no nepotism in the NFL. There's no nepotism even a little bit in the NFL. People are making a big deal about this because it's a cute story. It is. All right, it's a cute story. But let me explain one thing, and then I'll get to the actual story. In the NFL, I've always said, and I've had NFL people tell me, I don't care who you are. Oh, Dylan, Texas Tech, minus 13 and a half. I don't know who they're playing, but take the other side. No, I'm kidding. Hey, by the way, Sage Steele coming up at the top of the hour. Let me go to the rest of this story. So NFL will take a guy out of jail. NFL will Jerry Tarkanian. Jerry Tarkanian was famous for, you know what? I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you did. Uh, If you're good enough, you can play. Well, here's the reverse. Doug Peterson's the coach of the Jaguars. Doug Peterson had to tell a player that he was cut. That player was his son, Josh Peterson. And Doug Peterson had a great line. He goes, look, I spanked him at one point, and it's the same thing now. I'd want to tell him. Trent would want to visit with him as well, and I definitely want to talk to him and just let him know. I mean, he's been through this process before a couple of times with teams last year. He's familiar with it. His son played the USFL. He caught 24 passes. Well, with the Houston Gamblers, Gamblers terminate his contract so he could sign with the team. He didn't make it, and Doug Peterson's got to go cut him. There is one thing in the world that you can count on. If you are the son of a dad, your father is the only human being alive that 1,000% wants you to be better than he was, period. The only guy. Everybody else in the world doesn't want you to be better than they are. But your father 100% wants you to be better than he was or he is. That is a fact, Jack. And I got to tell you, cutting my son would not be easy. But you move on. Hey, Sage is going to join us. I can't wait. And this isn't going to be the same old interview that we've heard recanting the ESPN stuff. Sage is too smart for that. She is. She's too smart for that. So we're going to talk about issues. We're going to talk about what she thinks, where she's going next. So don't miss it. Coming up at 10 o'clock, 10.30, Brian Erlacher is going to join us. The Bears. The Bears. Like, subscribe, and love. It's the polite thing to do. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm very proud that I am part of the DraftKings Army. I am. I've been using DraftKings for a long time, and I'm very proud that DraftKings is one of our sponsors. And make no mistake, college football in earnest starts tonight, and all you got to do is download the DraftKings app. It's very easy to sign up. 
Put in $5. That's all you got to do. And you'll get $200 in bonus bets instantly. You'll get eight increments of 25 which means, ladies and gentlemen, that you can build your fortune and your empire slowly. Look, it's fun and it is oh so easy. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I am taking Florida. I'm getting four and a half points. And my toes are going to be tapping as soon as the game is over. And I'm going to enjoy the game just a little bit more. Do yourself a favor. Download the app, deposit at least $5, and start playing. You can visit Outkick.com slash bet to get it done. Look, proud to be a member of the DraftKings Army, and you will be too. Look, bet responsibly. 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a problem. Look, let's make no bones about it. I am taking Florida. There's absolutely no question about it. One thing I was talking to Dylan off air about what I was going to start with, and I forgot about this. I want to say something publicly. I'm so proud of my niece, Emily Eamon. Emily Eamon is one of the great ambassadors for the sport of volleyball. Emily Eamon My sister's daughter played volleyball as a walk-on at Northwestern and became one of the leaders on the team. Emily Eamon is all enthusiasm. Emily Eamon is all athletic ability. And Emily Eamon then morphed into a broadcast star. Last night, in front of a world record of 92,000 people in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, Nebraska played Nebraska-Omaha in a volleyball match. If you don't know anything about Nebraska volleyball, it may be the greatest program at Nebraska. You know, we all think of football. Of course we do. But Nebraska football has been on the decline. Well, Nebraska volleyball wins national championships. But 92,000 people showed up, and I'm very, very proud, uber proud, of my niece, Emily Eamon. She was the analyst on the call last night on the Big Ten Network. I've seen media folks all around the country talking about what a wonderful event it was. I watched it. I thought it was great, and I'm going to tell you something. Emily Eamon is better than 99.9% of the basketball broadcasters in college basketball because she tells you why stuff happened. Emily Eamon's a superstar, and I am one damn proud uncle as I sit here today. All right. Oliver Anthony joined Joe Rogan. Now, let's think about this. You know who Oliver Anthony is. Oliver Anthony, Richmond, North of Richmond, that song, and then others. So there he is. You talk about a Cinderella story, somebody that came out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oliver Anthony was a guy that was playing the county fair. Oliver Anthony was a guy that was playing the gig at Daniel's Winery a couple months ago. But why? This is a bigger question. Why has, between Jason Aldean's tried in a small town, And Oliver Anthony's, why have the conservative voices started ringing true across the country in terms of our music? Where'd this come from? You know, it's very interesting. I do think this. You know, we all say you got to come to OutKick to get the truth. That is true. But you know what? Most people, the majority of people, I would think get their media from other sources. It shouldn't happen. They should get it from here. But I think even as you get the media media from other sources and you see what's going on in our country, even if you watch NBC or ABC or CBS, even if you watch uh, Fox, Fox News, CNN, whatever you're watching, I think you get the sense that no matter what side you are on, these people are crazy. Serious business. I, I think most people feel like, man, these people are just nuts. We saw this Randy Weingart. That woman's just nuts. That woman just lies to you. We see it all the time. And you can be a Democrat. You can be a far left Democrat. But at some point, common sense has to kick in. And, you know, you go, hey, wait a second. 
you know, you can't continue to just simply lie to us. So Oliver Anthony comes along right on the heels of Jason Aldean. Try that in a small town. And people can say what they want. Of course, of course they did this. Of course they tried to mock it. Of course they tried to say it's racist. They used all the buzzwords. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, Joe Rogan and Oliver, having Oliver Anthony on is a massive step. And you know what they did? They actually made fun of all the craziness. All the craziness that the left has drummed up in resistance to Oliver Anthony, including whatever that guy is named, Wilson. Wilson is funny. Wilson is the guy who was like, oh, he was on uh, The Office. He played Dwight on The Office. If I were writing a song about Richmond, north of Richmond, I wouldn't talk about obese people on welfare. I'd sing about CEOs who make 40 times their average worker's salary and corporations that pay zero taxes and offshore tax shelters to billionaires. Okay. There is nothing funnier about a millionaire like this guy Dwight talking about billionaires. There's nothing funny about millionaires pretending. Nothing funnier. These billionaires are out of touch. Let me read that again. Rogan said this about the dude Wilson, Dwight in the office. Nothing funnier than millionaires talking ass about billionaires. Nothing funny about millionaires pretending these billionaires are out of touch. Yeah, I agree. Take Dwight from the office, Rogan said, down to West Virginia. Take him through those coal mining countries. Take him through those places in Appalachia where people have extreme poverty, noting that pills have devastated those areas. Throughout rural Virginia, Anthony said, that poverty is a big issue and drugs are a big issue. And I mean, it's not just even in a rural state. You go downtown Richmond, any downtown anywhere for that matter. See, here's the deal. The party of we are tolerant is so intolerant. And whatever this douchebag's name is, something Wilson, I don't even want to say his name, tell you the truth. In fact, when I don't want, when I don't like each other, I act like I don't know who they are. But anyway, this guy Dwight, Rain Wilson, is mad. Good for Rain Wilson. Hey, look, we're talking about him. That's good. But you keep going, Oliver Anthony. Hey, the fellas tried that in the small town of Crown Point, Indiana. Look it up. The fellas in Crown Point, Indiana, both black and white, mind you, just stood there with their guns. Daring, daring, daring rioters to come through. Daring rioters to, in fact, try that in a small town. The rioters, back in the summer of love, did exactly what cowards do when confronted. They walked away. Smart. You don't try that crap in a small town. You try it in the city of Indianapolis, where the mayor is a Democrat, and he's so scared and allegedly incapacitated that he lets our entire city burn down. And you know what's even crazier? The mayor of Indianapolis is going to get reelected. He is. It's amazing to me. It is fascinating to me. We got a mayor that allowed our town to be burnt down, a big town. So you keep going, Oliver Anthony. You keep going, Jason Aldean. We are here for you, baby. Do not stop. Hey, we got baby mama drama. Yeah, we do. We got baby mama drama. You know I love me some baby mama drama. The NFL guys and the ladies of the NFL and the NBA, the ladies are spreading their legs and the guys are just throwing it around. Hell, this guy's next on the list. Next on the list is our friend Justin Jefferson. Now, Justin Jefferson's a great player, but Justin Jefferson got baby mama drama. Everybody got baby mama drama. 
Why not? I mean, is it, is it a badge of honor to have baby mama drama? I don't know. I, 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 all right, here's the deal. You ready? <laughs> and all these women, all these women, they all keep, uh, they all keep every video. They do. They keep every video. So, <sighs> so Justin Jefferson and the girls all look the same. I mean, they got asses this big. They got the long straight hair. All right, private messages from Minnesota Vikings wide receiver were recently exposed. They were sent to a woman. He got pregnant. A test message. He asked her to get an abortion. Uh, ask him why he get a girl pregnant. Now he trying to get her to have abortion, according to her. All right. So, look, I get it. Don't all of you guys think abortion is a good thing? Isn't that what we're all supposed to say? Isn't that like the deal? Like I saw an ad campaign on Justin Shreve or Jefferson Shreve, who's running. He's running for uh, mayor or governor, whatever the hell it is here in Indy. And all these guys are like, well, you know, Justin Shreve says he's anti-abortion. So the worst thing a guy can be is for keeping kids alive? Wait a second. That's bad? Okay. The world is nuts. The world is insane. But Justin Jefferson, who is the projected, and this is big, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he is projected to be the number one pick in your fantasy draft. He's got trouble. He got trouble in River City. He got stuff going on. He gets a girl pregnant. He wants her to have an abortion. You and I both know what's going to happen. You and I both absolutely know what's going to happen. And that is Justin Jefferson is going to be just fine because Justin Jefferson is on the right side of the media. And people are going to side with Justin Jefferson because trying to get a woman or asking a woman to get an abortion is like a good thing in today's day and age. I want to go back to Oliver Anthony. I want to hear from the great man. Let's hear from Oliver Anthony. I skipped over the video. I don't know. My thing doesn't show we had video. We'll figure it out. Let's hear from Oliver Anthony. problems exist everywhere now that are, and I think, I mean, obviously they are because that's why the song resonated the way it did. Yeah. See, songs resonate because issues are under the surface. Our show resonates because issues are under the surface. We like to say we are fine. We like to say we're good. We're fine. What are you talking about? Everything's good. What are you worried about? But the truth is, here's the surface, and here comes the things pushing up. I used to tell that with my team. You guys are acting like everything's fine, but I know it's not, and things are going to creep from under the surface, and that's why our show is so popular, and that's why Oliver Anthony is so popular, because frankly, what he said resonates. And I ain't mad about it, all right? I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. All right, Deion Sanders rips the NCAA for its handling of mental health issues after the NCAA denied Buffalo's offensive lineman Tyler Brown's waiver request. All right, here's the deal. The easiest thing in the world to do is claim verbal abuse and mental health issues. I'm on Lexapro. Lexapro is like, uh, I don't know, antidepressant. I'm trying to get off it, but it makes me crazy to get off it. Here's the deal. I could claim anything as mental health. 
I'm sure that I could have, well, I don't know. I could have claimed that the radio station that made me make a choice of this show or a radio show in Indy, well, mental health. You don't care about my mental health. I need these two shows. There's a lot of crap going on with mental health. I'm just telling you, I know you don't want to hear it, but this is what Dion said. You say you really care about mental health, but when you have someone really dealing with mental health. Now, let me just, par- let me just parse that sentence. By Deion Sanders say, when you have somebody really dealing with mental health, you know what he's saying? A lot of frauds out there. A lot of con artists out there. A lot of Bolshevik out there. A lot of Krapola out there. But really, no, 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 no. Really dealing with mental health. There's a problem. Then ostracizing him and not allowing him to do what he's blessed and gifted to do, it's like, wow, do you really care? Or are you just saying you care? Are you caring when it's convenient? Or when it's profitable? Oh, let me think about this. If you were going to do it when it's convenient, you just say, yeah, I would give you a waiver. That way you don't have to hear from Coach Prime. Is it really a difference in profitability with this guy? The answer is no. But what does Prime mean when he says, or when it's profitable? Is it, oh, I don't know, uh, the star quarterback would get the release because he sells jerseys? Everybody always throws out when it's profitable. Let me explain something to you. Right now, college and professional football are at all-time highs. Ratings are great. Sponsorship is up. People are lining up for the college football playoff to pay a gazillion dollars. Every network in America and some overseas are vying to televise. The ad rates are through the roof. So what does Deion Sanders mean when it's profitable? See, we throw words out. And I'll give Deion Sanders credit. I don't know if the dude's white or black, uh, Tyler Brown, but if he's black, I give him credit for not going race. Maybe that's coming. I don't know. It seems to come everywhere. But when you actually listen and observe and parse what's saying, Deion Sanders makes no sense here. He just doesn't. He's just throwing out words. And he's just throwing out words to make a point and hopefully change public opinion, put pressure on the NCAA. I don't know whether Tyler Brown should be, I don't know, waived. But we got crap. We got total, complete crap. Hey, I'm all in on this. Remember when the punter god, Matt Ariza, was wrongfully accused of participating in a gang rape when he was in college. Yeah, he was there. And I'm not saying he did all the right things, but nobody does all the right things. He didn't hurt anybody. That's the bottom line. So Matt Reese is out of a job. He's apparently a great punter. Everybody calls him the punter god. And Philadelphia just released their punter, Sipas. Well, guess what? Now fans are calling for the return of the hunter god, or the punter god. Yeah. He was released by the Bills, if you remember, allegations surfaced. He was proven innocent and cleared of all wrongdoing. I'm going to sit here in Indianapolis, and I'm going to say, if we ever have a punter opening, why, why not? Why does this guy's life have to be ruined when he was cleared of everything? Like, I say this all the time. The people writing about him, at least here in the great city of Indianapolis, have had multiple affairs with young mothers while they were married. Multiple affairs, preying on young women. But yet, hey, 
This guy got clear. He didn't do it. Whereas the people writing about him do it. I told you the story. Stephanie Drewley calling me up when I was supposedly in trouble with ESPN. Well, the women of ESPN are upset by your comments. They go, bullshit. The women of ESPN, your college football writers, having an affair right here with a guy in Indianapolis. She's got two kids. What are you talking about? I don't hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't. I don't want to hear about it. Dude got cleared. He's innocent, apparently. Let's go. Sign him. Don't care. Don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. Uh, let's be honest. Sage Steele has been interviewed a million times. I'm going to preface this right now, if you're watching. I'm not going to ask Sage Steele all the stuff that happened at ESPN. I'll tell you what happened at ESPN. She spoke her mind as a conservative. A couple of the African-American non-conservatives that were jealous of her success and her uh, got mad. ESPN and its chicken blank lily white leadership acquiesced. They said, hey, you can't do that. You can't mention that Obama's father while black, was absent. His mother, while white, took care of him. And yet Obama doesn't even acknowledge being half white. That was odd to her as a biracial woman. They got mad. You can't question the great Obama, the great orator, the great oh, do-nothing president. You can't question him. Oh, my, you can't even question Obama right now and a dead guy in a pond by his house. That's how much suck this Obama has in the world. That's how much strength he has. So Sage Steele doing that, of course it was a pain in the ass for her. She started this Women in Sports Summit. She started it. And L. Duncan and Michael Eaves and all these other idiots, Ryan Clark, all these other diversity hires gone amok, decided, well, you can't be a part of it. Ryan Clark, the phoniest of phonies. He decided, I'm not working with her. So we know all this. But what's next for Sage Steele? Where's she going? What's her thoughts on issues? That's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to talk Unless, of course, she wants to tell us what her settlement was, and then we're all in on it. What are you going to do? I always like, see, look, you got to understand something. I like the salacious stuff. I'm a People Magazine guy. I am. And not just for the crossword puzzle, which is America's easiest crossword puzzle. It is. Don't at me about it. It simply is. All right, my man. Colts fans, here we go. My man, Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard is the general manager of the Colts. Now, you got to understand the background here. Chris Ballard is a survivor. In sports, there are winners. Say it with me, people. You back in the choir, winners, losers, survivors, and Chris Ballard is a survivor. His record is horse bleep. They've won no division titles in the worst division in football. He's on his fifth head coach, his seventh starting quarterback. The guy before him won division titles, got to the AFC championship game, never had a losing record with one head coach, one and a half. Did it with an absent owner who was in jail. Did it with a head coach that they hired in the hospital for chemo. Did it with an interim coach. I told Indianapolis, don't F with winning. Here comes Chris Ballard. He of PR. He of Neely. He of crying and bitching about white people. He of talking about AR guns. It's all PR. But as they say, the chickens come to roost. They do. You got to win in the NFL. And if you don't win in the NFL, you suckle. You suckle on the teat of firing. But not this guy. Not this guy. This guy is a survivor. 
And I'm going to show you exactly what survivors do, those of you that know. We have a bit of a crisis, a football crisis on our hand. Oh, my God, JT, Jonathan Taylor may not play. He's on pup. The Colts don't know what to do. They don't want to extend him. They may or may not don't want to franchise him. Here's Chris Ballard's reaction when he was asked about the franchise tag. Watch how he spins it about himself and how he makes himself try to look good in this. This is typical Chris Ballard, and it sucks. Go ahead. As you probably know, um, I, I think this is true that he offered to uh, come in if you guys would take that off the table. Is that true? Did, I, never, I never had, you know. I never had that discussion about that. I mean, they asked if we would use it, and I said, well, it's a tool. Yeah, it is. It is a, it is a tool. Um, it was CBA bargained, you know. So I'm not – like the one thing – and I told Jonathan this. I said, I don't want to say something that is not true. Right. Like I don't want to lead him down – I don't want to lead him down a path and say, okay, give it and – it, and then he looks at me and says, well, you're a liar. That – no, you're not doing to do that. I don't, you don't want to make false promises that you can't keep, especially with players, because the second you do it, you're done. Like, I know it looks not the best right now, but I know I've never lied to him. I know that for – I've never lied to him. See, the dipshit that asked the question is a guy named Stephen Holder. Now, Stephen Holder – is just one of those guys that he's just so bad. I made him actually swear, uh, drop an F-bomb at me on air. He's a little whiny guy, and you can hear, well, I don't know if this is true. Well, there's your media for you. I don't know if this is true. All right, so Ballard answers the question, right? And then Ballard does what Ballard does. I've never, this is about him. This is what he does. This is why he has survived. Let me tell you something. Chris Ballard, should teach a class in job survival. This isn't about whether he's lied to him. It's about any of it. But you see how he spins it? We call him the preacher man because he is sitting there preaching. I've never lied to him. You go, of course, well, nobody ever said you did. We just asked you a question. Did, you, did, did Jonathan Taylor say he would report if you took the franchise tag off? And then it goes into a soliloquy about this guy. The dumbass media here in Indianapolis is too stupid to understand this. The national media is too in pocket. I remember Stacey Dales telling me what a great guy Ballard is. I'm like, really? Okay. All right. I don't know nothing. I, I, okay. All right. I don't know nothing. But I know this. The question wasn't about whether or not he's ever lied to him. It was simply a question. Was the franchise tag asked to be removed by Jonathan Taylor? And if so, he was going to report. He was going to play. Here's the other part of it that nobody in the Indianapolis media is smart enough to understand. They can't understand. That implies that Jonathan Taylor is healthy. This interview implies that Jonathan Taylor is fully healthy and he's sitting up because he's being a sulking little batch. That's what this implies. That you remove this franchise tag, I'll sign the contract and I'll come in and play. It's not like, hey, you remove this franchise tag and I'll come in, but I'm still hurt. No. This conversation implied, and I know nobody's going to understand this. I know that the media here certainly won't. I know fans certainly won't. But this conversation implies 
that Jonathan Taylor is ready to go. He's just sulking. He's just whining. He's just being a little batch. That's what it implies, but it shows you clearly, clearly that this guy right here is nothing more than about himself. And if you don't think players know this, then ask yourself, why'd Luck leave? Why'd Rivers not want to come back? Why'd Gilmore want to get the hell out of here? Why'd Kahari Willis, a starting safety, quit at a certain point? Why did Jack Doyle quit when he had years left? And I can go on and on and on. Why'd Costanzo quit? Why did he only begin thinking about quitting? You don't want to work for somebody you can't look in the eye and know, know that they're real. You don't want to. That's why I left West Virginia 100 years ago. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about anything. It's just about I didn't respect the people that I was going to report to, and I'm not working that way. Never have, never will, and have not lost a moment's sleep. That's why guys are leaving in Indianapolis, period. You ain't going to hear it anywhere. Adam, Adam Schefter, may, just report, don't evaluate. The guys on NFL Countdown, they ain't going to say it because they're not smart enough. 100%. I am right. What's next for Sage Steele? What's your thoughts on issues? I want to get to the issues. I want to get to the issues of the day. We all know what happened. She told ESPN, boom, walked away with zillions. Good for her, but I want to know what's next. We'll talk to Sage next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. As we await for Sage Steele, I must tell you, I... I you know, one of the things that you're seeing, and I'm not an ESPN basher in terms of the people that I worked with. In fact, yesterday, two of my good friends, my producer at ESPN, Bart Fox, who is now the head producer of all things college basketball and football at the Big Ten Network, and ESPN's number one college football producer, Scott Johnson. So Bart and Scott came to Indianapolis and we played golf yesterday. And, of course, I got beat because that's what I do. The people that I met at ESPN were absolutely spectacular. They were awesome. They were tremendous. Like, the people that I met is, well, including Sage, Linda Cohn, fantastic. Ravi, fantastic. Steve Levy, unbelievable. John Saunders and I became good friends. Seth Greenberg, Billis, even though I disagree on a lot. It's good people. Reese Davis, all good people. And I'm really looking forward to, I was texting last night with Pat McAfee, and I'm really looking forward to how crazy he makes the suits at ESPN. Look, let's be honest, McAfee is going to make the show. McAfee makes game day interesting. What you have on game day is a bunch of old white dudes that are trying to act cool, and Desmond Howard, who everybody knows is a racist, or at least showed himself to be racist, by using the caucasity, how caucastic of this man. So I don't respect Desmond Howard at all. But that show needed something, and that something was, of course, Sage, or excuse me, Pat McAfee. The people that you work with at ESPN are great. Now, I've been on set with Elle Duncan. She was fine. I was on set with Matthew Barry. He was great. You know, I've been on set with different people. They're all great. But truthfully, that's what makes the place okay. Now, do I agree with what they're doing? Of course not. I don't agree with anything. I don't agree with none of it. I don't. Do I agree with the shift in politics? No. But I do like the people. I do. I like the people. I think the people are fantastic. I think the people that I met 
are absolutely wonderful. Uh, and I will stand up with that, and I will play golf with them, and I will have fun with them. Lee Fitting, they just let him go. One of, in my world, I don't know why they let him go. That was on the fourth floor. Uh, that was on the fourth floor of building number four, seventh floor of building number four. Sage just texted me, says she's trying, Zoom not working. She's on the phone with her tech guy. Ha <laughs> ha. So we'll get to stage in just a minute. But anyway, that's my sense of ESPN. So when I rip ESPN, I'm more ripping the policies of ESPN and certain individuals at ESPN. But I really liked, I had no problem. I did. I had no problem dealing with ESPN, the people. Doug Gottlieb, when he was there, friend. Mike and Mike, friends, all that kind of stuff. That's just how it was, period. All right? All right, let's get into a couple sports things while Sage decides on what she's doing. The news of the day is this, and right, get this. See this? This is a pen, and this is paper. Get your pen and paper and understand something. Two things you got to understand. Number one, we're taking Florida tonight minus or plus four and a half. That's what we're taking. Cam Rising isn't playing for Utah. So if you want to win money, that's the start. The other thing, and I'm not betting every game. Like people say, oh, you got to bet every game, man. No, uh-uh. You don't got to bet every game, man. You got to bet games you think you're going to win. Like I'm not betting Kent State and UCF at 35 and a half points. Why would I care? I'm not betting Michigan State and Central Michigan, even though, even though, I don't know if you saw this, Mel Tucker is showing himself to be a complete clown. He is. Showing himself to be a complete doofus. Fresno State and Purdue, new coach at Fresno State, or excuse me, at Purdue, why would I touch that? But I will tell you a game that I'm going to take. And it's one of those where I almost don't care the spread. I'm going to take Ohio State, listen to this, giving 30 to Indiana at Indiana. Now, This is not something, and this must be discussed, this is not something that any of us at Indiana foresaw happening when we went through COVID. No, it's not. When we went through COVID and Indiana went like, I don't even know their record, but they beat Michigan. They may have beaten Ohio State. Hell, I don't know. But anyway, we thought this was going to be the Tom Allen era. You're opening at home two years, three years after the fact, and you're 30-point underdogs to Ohio State at home. At home. Now, I'm going to ask Sage about this. Sage went to Indiana. Sage has spoken at the graduation of Indiana University. That is an incredible honor given to a civilian, I guess. But a 30-point underdog at home, after we saw so much on Tom Allen, every guy wants to play for him. Every guy wants to do it. So that's two games that I'm looking at. Now, 30's a lot at home, all that kind of stuff. But tell me I'm wrong, people. You Indiana fans out there, and Sage is one of them. I'm telling you right now. Two years ago, three years ago, if you would have, there she is. There she is. Hello, Sage Steele. I'm not going to her yet. They're getting her set up. But there she is. Sage, you got me? 
We're trying, people. But I just want you to think about that. And that's the first question I'm going to ask Sage. Because, look, we, again, we all know what happened with Sage. Sage. Sage has done interviews. If I'm Sage, I'm tired of talking about, well, what happened to ESPN? Sage is too smart for this. Sage is too wise for this. We need Sage's thoughts on issues. That it, Let me know when Sage is ready, will you, Dylan? Uh, we need to know about the issues that she holds dear. Now, let me back up a second. In college football world, if you're telling me two years ago that Indiana would be 30-point underdogs at home after the great year, I wouldn't have believed it. Sage and I have both been through the ringer with Indiana football. 30-point underdog, Sage, at home against Ohio State. Hi, Sage. Hi. Can you hear me? <laughs> I got you. I got you. Hey, I want to hear we I'm all know what ESPN. We're, we're, we're done with rehashing. Let's move this forward. And the first thing is, Indiana's a 30-point underdog at home. Wait, what? Sports? What are you talking about? I, I don't I don't follow. So I'm kidding. <laughs> I I've been I've been like under the table a while here. Um 30 points, give me a break. You're 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 gonna take them? Is that what you said? Uh-oh. She froze on us. No, I just said Hold it. I said give me a break, 30 points. That this is not good. Who literally would you ever imagined it like a couple years ago when everybody in the world wanted to play for Tom Allen? Tom Allen was the guy. I'd have thought, all right, Indiana's going to be a 10-point underdog. Anyway, I wore my Indiana for you because, well, you are Miss Indiana. Congratulations. Thank you. I haven't been back on campus in a really long time. Um, it kind of makes me sad. So I, I need I need Indiana, but before I go to Bloomington, I'll come to Indy and say hi to you. I would hope that you would, lady. All right, let's get into it. What's next for you? Where are we headed? We all, we know what happened. And congratulations, free at last, free at last. But what what's next? What's what's happening with you right now? What's your life like? A lot of uh, interviews like this, which is so strange to be on the receiving end. I'm used to asking the questions. I don't know if I like this this side as much. Um, in general, a lot of conversations with. A lot of people, and um, I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed by it, to be honest with you. It's been almost 17 years since I've, you know, looked for another job. So uh, it's uh, I'm a little uncomfortable, but, you know, it's funny. Last week I was in Tuscaloosa. I had a previously planned engagement to, to speak to the Alabama football team. Uh, speaking of real college football, like, my goodness. And I told Coach Saban we got to meet in his office beforehand. And I said, do you remember when you came to Bristol and – he said it to me, and you know, I'm sure he said it many times, but it resonated. The key to greatness, the key to success, is to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I'm like, I've gotten really good at being uncomfortable the last couple of years. So does that mean I'm on the way to being great at something? Um, so I don't know what's next, but I know that it's very important now for me to be able to really use my voice and to not use my voice and be in fear of just giving normal opinions, much less hot takes on things, which that's never been my MO. So I, I'm really just excited to see what comes my way because I've never done this before, Dan, not in this kind of a world, right, where with technology and we're talking from my house, you know, like this is a different world um, with many more parameters and many more sensitivities, I guess. 
Uh, a lot more people are, are soft these days compared to back in the day. But um, I, I'm ready to go try something. You know, I, I remember the point when I was at ESPN where I was like, you know what, if I get the opportunity to get out of here, even though I like calling games, and I wasn't the face, you were kind of the face of ESPN, but I remember the point where it's like, you know what, I'm starting to pay attention to the world maybe more than I ever have, and I want to have a voice in it. And I remember the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get out of here if I can. Had you ever reached that point? I never wanted out. No. I, I never, ever wanted out. I never could have dreamt of it ending this way. Um, I think that we do change and evolve. And I've been there since 2007. When I started there, my kids were 11 months old, two and four. I don't remember much. It was kind of crazy times in my life and awesome, like awesome times. I wish my kids were still that age, to be honest with you, because now they're 17, 19, and 21, and oh. two in college and one on the way. Um, and so that all they've known is me doing this. Through that time, look at how much the world has changed since 2007. Um, you know, we we still had a Bush as president in 07, and now we've got through a couple more. Um, the world as a whole is just completely different, you know, and not not in great ways. So I think if we pay attention to what's going on outside of our little box, and in my case, it was sports, then I don't know. It just it, that's not reality because it isn't just about us and what we do for a living and what our highs and lows are every day. There's a lot going on. And I do realize now, I don't think I ever did. I do realize that because of the job that I chose and how it played out in unimaginable, awesome ways that I, I have this voice that maybe I've been afraid of for a long time. I think fearful because of obviously, um, you know, my, my prior job and that role as a journalist. Right. But now that doesn't matter. Everybody just says what they want. So I'm, it's just weird to be able to talk like this and I need to get better at it because <laughs> you're always like, oh boy, am I, am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to get suspended? Like, oh my gosh, what do you, um, we must, I think, be more into what's going on and use that voice for ma for matters that are important to us. That's not everything. I mean, you got to pick and choose, right? And I'm starting to, to learn my own parameters there. It's kind of fun. All right, let's get into some issues. I mean, because I, 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 Again, everybody knows the background, so let's let's move it forward. Sage, we we saw yesterday ninety two thousand people at Nebraska. My niece Emily Eman was the color analyst on it. Emily's my sister's daughter. And I'm so proud of her. It's proud, yeah. It's a proud uncle moment uh, for me. In fact, it gives me chills right now to talk about Emily because I love that uh, young lady so much. But we got 92,000. That's a hell of a moment for women's sports. But we still feel the need in states to sign bills to protect women's sports. Like, I get it. And I'm thankful that these governors are signing bills. But am I wrong in saying, damn, something's screwed up if we got to sign bills to protect women in sports? Yeah, I think that's what I was kind of referring to with the world being so different today than it was when I started at ESPN. Even just three years ago, you know, it's it's funny. Right before I was um, here with you and sat down with you, Dan, I was on with Dana Perino on Fox News, and we were talking about the transgender sports issue. Um, and coming off of the soundbite by Queen Jean Pierre, I think it was yesterday, he was asked, you know, does President Biden think this is fair that you know biological boys and men are playing in women's sports? And she's like, this is a complicated issue. It's a complicated issue. I'm like, it's not complicated. This is so easy and so simple. And as I said to Dana, and as I've said for months and months and months on social media, it's maybe gotten me in some heat. Like, 
this whole science word that we were so obsessed with during COVID, <laughs> that it's like, follow the science. And now we're freaking ignoring the science. And I get mad. I get mad because, I mean, as a mother of daughters, and I guess it's good that my girls are no longer on that competitive stage in college and stuff, because um, I would, otherwise I would be that mother. I would be lighting people up if I ever saw a, a boy on a playing field with them in some of those contact sports in particular. And we saw what's happening in volleyball and lacrosse and and i mean even weightlifting are you kidding me let's follow the science because we know that men are and women are very different in beautiful ways i wouldn't want to be one of you i like being a woman i can do things that you can't and vice versa that's how god made us that's okay so i don't i don't understand where this is coming from i'm very disappointed that so many people are choosing to stay silent on it because dan i don't think i don't think that you know as women we've been propping each other up for so long. And so many men have done a beautiful job. At ESPN, they did a great job supporting ESPNW for all those years. I was a part of that coverage and, you know, hosted it. I was the face of it for 11 years until until I wasn't. Um, and so what, where are all those people who know how important it is to continue to push women's sports? I, I, I don't think we realize our power. Like, if we all came together, just as journalists, as female journalists, if we all came together we could be so incredible and make change for our daughters and nieces and nephews and people we don't even know. So I'm really sad because it's, it's, I'm woman to hear me roar for all of these other issues and everybody about, you know, the pay equity, et cetera, for years and years and years. If you talk to these athletes off the record, they will tell you, they will be honest. They're like, this is BS. And I have talked to these athletes, whether it's in the NFL or the WNBA, I mean, they're honest privately, but publicly, they're afraid. And I do understand it. I mean, I understand what happens when you speak out, especially on something <laughs> controversial. But I don't think we have a choice with this. And if we don't, then shame on us. I think, you know, it, it, the idea of silence is complicit. Media very silent on the issue of transgender. Media very silent on the attack I think it's an attack on women in general. Uh, let, let me go this route here. Do you think there was a time, let's put it this way, that if you spoke out, you were going to get crushed? Do you think that time is shifting a little bit? Can people be more comfortable questioning? Can people be more comfortable criticizing issues like? All right, let me back up. I remember going on Colin Cowherd's show 100 years ago, and I got criticized because I said, look, if a dude walks into the bathroom behind my daughter, I'm going into the bathroom. And people are like, oh, my God, you're a transphobe or you're a phobe. I'm like, Do you think the tide is turning a little bit where now you can speak, not just you, but everybody can speak more common sense on these issues? I feel like there's been some baby steps with people calling out that cancel culture, whether it's uh, Dave Chappelle and his Dave Chappelle way, which I love, uh, or even Bill Maher, who's oh, left on all these issues for so many years. And it shouldn't even be left or right. It shouldn't even be political. It's just, it's just common sense. And to be able to say something without fear of being canceled, whether it be on social media or at your job, you know, um, I, I don't know. I think that regardless of that, we got to let go of it. I have to tell you, one of the one of the blessings of this whole situation over the last couple of years is that I have finally let go of trying to please everybody 
and um, that concern about being liked, because that was, I lived my life that way, trying to please everybody. And then you realize even if you do things for the most part the right way, you try, your heart's in the right place, and you're kind to others, they're still going to hate you for a variety of reasons. And so once you realize that that's kind of on them, um, not you, like if I choose to not receive that, then there's a lot of power in that. And so that's why if you can translate that into speaking up for issues that you believe are important, again, that's when we really begin to make a difference. But I, you know, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everybody. By the way, we thought this whole situation between my kids in school and, you know, they felt it. And I said to them, teachers would bring stuff up to them if they're in high school. And I'm like, you know what? Number one, that's inappropriate. Let me have them. Let, let me have them. Number two, um, if someone says something, I don't want you to feel ever the need to, to defend your mom. You know, but you can say everybody has a right to an opinion. And that's you know, my mom is a question. So I've tried to empower them by never having to defend me, but just listen, have the conversations. And if you are the one that attacks, shame on you. It's just up to us to not, to not receive that and let it silence us. Because I used to, I was really good at being silenced, Dan. And I take, I take the blame for that. I do, you know? Your dad and I had the opportunity to hang with him and you uh, uh, at the Army-Navy game. Your dad, one of the great, not only football players, but people in the history of West Point, which makes him one of the great Americans of all time. I just, after that game, I put, I put everybody that goes to Army and Navy up here. I'm like, it's the greatest thing ever, right? What's your dad's reaction been to you? Oh, see, look at you. Don't make me emotional. Um, very proud, but I'll say, um, you know, I know now as a parent that you take on your child's hurt, even if your child's 50 years old, you know? So I think that's the, one of the few things that I, uh, struggle with still about this, um, is that I hate that me standing up for myself and others, because that's what I want this to be now. It's not even about me anymore, it's about others. I hate that it has affected my parents so much. And they're older and have some health issues. You know, my dad has two kinds of cancer. Um, he has other things to be worrying about than, than his daughter. So that's the only time I've really questioned if I did the right thing. It's because I know that it's had an effect on them. He is like, don't even think about it. Don't even worry about it. He's like, I'm so damn proud of you. And, you know, because he... he they saw me as this shy little kid who uh, was afraid of her own shadow and then somehow realized it's okay to just be you even if there's a lot that comes with it. So he's so proud. And, you know, I talk to my parents two or three times a day, Dan. Um, like, you're never too old to talk to your mom and dad, and I'm just so blessed to have them. And plus that they supported me every moment, even when it is hurt them, and even when they've been fearful when I would get threats, you know. Um, my parents are everything. I'm so glad. He loves you and your wife. I'm so glad that you got to see why he's my guy. You know, fathers and daughters, I have a daughter and daughters, the reason I ask that question and, you know, you're a strong woman. I have a daughter that's a very strong woman. But whenever my daughter has a problem, the first person she calls is me. Like last night, yeah. she had a problem. She's like, Dad, I need advice. And it, there's just uh, doesn't. I'm not, you know, people, go, you know this, people are out of their minds. Well, you're, you're disregarding mothers. No, I'm not. I'm just saying fathers and daughters have this. And I really, Lee and I have talked about, you know, when we talked about going to the Army-Navy game, we talked about your dad and you a lot. 
and you could just see it. Moving forward, Sage, when, when, when you look at where broadcasting is, when you look at where media is, and you look at people just being able to blatantly lie, like just stand up there and lie. You went to journalism school. You worked your way up the old-fashioned way, intern, carrying the camera, writing a story, making sure you got it right. How frustrating is modern journalism for you? It's, it's frustrating on another level. And, you know, I think there's a difference between sports media and news media, and especially when you start to bring politics in and stuff. But it, it's interesting just, just how the headlines are written, you know, and it's all for clicks, and it gets you in, I guess. And you read it, and you're like, wait, this isn't back up the headline at all. There's just really no accountability with it. And that's a word that I just grew up with, that I was really forced to understand and then live it. And now as a parent, trying to do the same thing, there's no accountability. And there's no, people have, they they have the ability, actually. They're choosing to not kind of be in the middle with how we tell a story as a journalistic platform, whatever it is, a TV network, news, print, whatever. They're choosing to take sides. And so I I say to my kids, the older one is, is a junior in college and like, what do I read if I want to stay up on things? What do I read? It's like, I don't know what to tell you to read. Because there's so, you think you can't trust anything. And for good reason. So I'm like, take a little bit over here, a little bit over here. Then let's talk. Let's try to figure out what your opinion on is on it and why. Um, it's sad. It's come a very, very long way. I, I wouldn't change anything about, you know, starting back in the dark ages. <laughs> You know, I mean, there was no internet, right? right? And and you went out and got the story by interviewing players and coaches and, and building up that trust, you know? Because if you misquoted them or did something that was unethical, guess what? They would cut you off. They'd make sure everybody else in the locker room would cut you off too and you deserved it. So um, I, I miss those days. And I, I just think that probably the popularity of the internet and social media, that, that's the biggest reason in, in, in the change for me, you know? When, you know, Coach Knight made me go find his hunting dog a year after I'm starting at guard for him. The next year, I'm like out in the middle of Linton, Indiana. trying. I didn't do it. I didn't want to, so I faked it. But anyway, so I get it. Those are the days that build you. Those are the days that make you. As you move forward in your career, and you just mentioned, hey, look, I'm talking to a lot of people. I, I guarantee you every network or every whatever is offering you jobs, wanting to talk to you, wanting to meet, meet, reach out and age and have lunch, have dinner, whatever. When you look at yourself and you say, okay, I've been in sports, how political will you get in your next forum? Well, I, that's, I don't, listen, the reason I chose sports is because there's so much positivity. And I, I said I, when I was 11 years old, I wanted to do this because what I felt at a young age, I didn't even fully comprehend it, but enough at 11 years old to realize, wow, look at this football Sunday. You got 80,000 people in a stadium Black, white, green, blue, different religions and politics, nothing mattered. We all came together for those three hours on a Sunday. And I I wanted to be a part of that. That has not changed. That's one reason why I absolutely loved SportsCenter until my very last day a couple weeks ago. Dan, you know that. You saw me. And no matter what was going on legally or everything else, when I was on, I mean, I had had the best co-host as well with Matt Berry. There's arguably nobody more talented and versatile probably underappreciated as well. Matt Berry is incredible. And we 
had a blast because we, we appreciated what it was and still is, is sports. And that's something that brings people together. So I don't want to focus just on politics. I think there are issues that are political that I both would love to have a take on. But there's so much more out there, frankly, that's more positive and not divisive. I have a lot of things I'm, I'm not excited to talk about, you know, personal stuff and parenting and, you know, relationships and how those relationships change through the year and your life changes. Um, there's there's so many more important things that I have shared in some spaces. Whenever I go, uh, how about race, right? And, and the whole biracial topic with me. I'm not afraid to go anywhere, even areas where um, that have been maybe painful for me in my personal and professional life. Because I found that every time we go deeper on things that make us uncomfortable, and I would hear from people about people I'll never meet, who said, oh my gosh, thank you. I, I don't feel as alone. What I said on Megan Kelly about biracial and how I'm proud of both my white side and my black side, like that's a topic that people don't touch. And I don't know why. Like I want to go there and talk about those things. Things that I think really, really matters. The key is that they're conversations. You know, conversations, not yelling or talking at people. I get my feelings very easily. To be honest with you, I hide it well. <laughs> so I don't, I don't like yelling and screaming. But I do appreciate passionate, respectful conversations. And I'm a positive, happy person. Life is good, you know, if we choose to focus on the good. So I don't know, Dan. I'm excited to continue to like find my voice with things that are a little bit outside the box because I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid anymore. We're humans, you know, we're not just journalists. To your point, you're a compassionate person. I'm kind of, deep down, very compassionate, but externally, not so much. But I saw Mitch McConnell yesterday, and you commented on that. I'm, I'm sitting there going, Sage, I always equate everything to my dad or my mom. I don't want my dad out there like that. I mean, wh- wh- what are we doing? Like, wh- where are we at with this? I've been saying that for a couple of years. I interviewed Joe Biden. Um, I want to say it was April of, he had just started, so 2021, uh, for SportsCenter. And I remember at that moment um, being sad because I felt like the leader of the free world doesn't, he didn't sound um, good. He didn't sound healthy, the pauses. And it broke my heart. I don't care, which I don't care if he's a Democrat or Republican. He cares. He's a human being. And to see um, what we're seeing with him and with Mr. McConnell, like I turn away, Dan. I, I can't I can't watch those videos because I just picture that being someone that I love. And then I'm like, where's your wife? Where's your daughter? Where's your son? Where's the people that love you? Sometimes we have to protect each other from ourselves. And that's what I, I, I don't see happening. I don't understand. And I'm not I don't want to speculate as to why. All I know is that um number one, it's not good for the country if you're in a leadership position. We need you to be able, frankly, to do the job. But more importantly, the human aspect of this, you're allowing people to, in front of the world, it's just, it's just heartbreaking and it's not okay. And, and you look and you say, okay, term limits, yes, term limits, all those things. But sometimes there are episodes or, you know, sicknesses that, that happen, um, you know, when you're in your 40s or 50s. It's called compassion and remembering what we're all about, which is that human aspect in the family, not our jobs. And that's why I'm, I, I can't watch it. I literally, I, I can't. It's just, it's not okay. And I'm very sad for, for the politicians right now who are 
in the spotlight without others protecting them. Are you a, are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? Me? Yeah. Uh, first yeah. person who's ever asked me that publicly. It's none of your business what I am, Doppage. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Here's the Here's, thing. I'm, I'm going to tell you why I asked that. Sure. 1988, uh, high school civics class, the election. I came home from school. I lived in Colorado Springs, Colorado. My dad was stationed at Fort Carson. Came home and I was, and I said, Mom, Dad, the election's coming up. Who are you going to vote for? My mom looked at me and said, none of your business. And I was like, what? What do you mean? She's like, no, 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 no. I have my opinions. Dad has his opinions. We want you to have your own opinion. So it doesn't matter who we vote for or why. We'll talk about the issues. I want you to form your why, your opinion. And at the end of the day, um, the issues are the most important thing. Um, I mean, I think it's probably obvious just on my stance on some things. I, I definitely lean right with many issues, but not all of them. I don't think that it it defines who I am, you know, by saying D or R or I, I, I in the middle, right? But I loved what my mom said to me. She's like, don't worry about it. What, what do you believe? And then let's live that way. I'll tell you why. That's a great answer. I'll tell you why I asked. All right. Because. I think blind loyalty to one party is weakness and stupidity. I grew up Gary, Indiana, Democrat town. My father was a lobbyist for the teachers union, Democrat lobby. And that's cool. It's all good. But I, and my dad taught me the same thing. He goes, look, think your own thoughts. So I asked people because once you don't, and this is my opinion, you may not share it. Once you don't side with the far left, you're immediately branded somebody on the far right. That's why I asked you, because certainly your leanings seem to be publicly a bit more conservative, but I was going to bet money that you would have said what you just said. I don't know about that. It's none of your business, but it would have been like, hey, look, I, I don't know. Like, common sense. What's, what's right? Both parties have the same thing. You know, I just think blind loyalty to one side is weakness and stupidity. And I think that we're all going to have our leanings and there are certain issues, you know, that are, that are very personal. You know, it's interesting. I, I got an invitation at the last second last week to go to the uh, Republican debate in Milwaukee. And, um, you know, I, I'm unemployed and I had a free Wednesday. So I said, sure. Well, I've never been anything like that. And, and, I, and I wanted to look at it from a, from the journalist perspective as, as the, the moderators and the hosts um, with Brett Baer and Martha McCallum and, um, and then I like, I like to watch the body language. And as we're all making these decisions here uh, with an upcoming election, I wanted to watch each one of them when the cameras weren't on them, you know? So that's why I went and I had a blast. Um, if I got an invitation to go to a, the, any debate on the Democrat side, I would absolutely go to that one too. I just think, I think it's so important to fully educate yourself and then to not be shamed for your decisions from there. I've never, ever, you know, Hopefully, said it to anybody who I vote for because I just don't think it matters. And then what happens? Unfortunately, people are so small-minded that then they put you in that box that you referred to, and then they say, "Oh, forget it," and they won't even listen if you have a question about something else. And then the conversation stops. And that's kind of what breaks my heart because we got to keep having those those conversations. 
um, even if they're uncomfortable, but it's all about the way that we do it. So isn't it sad though to, to, to um, you know, just truly take sides when you have an opinion on one issue and that means you're this. I mean, I love people that, that are like, oh yeah, she's going to Fox News and she's this and I'm like, really? But it's, it's, I'm used to it now. I find it kind of comical, don't you? I find it hilarious. I tell people all the time, uh, Biden, Trump, and Hillary at the time did not earn my vote. So I voted for me. I think I got 52 votes in the state of Indiana. I typed my name in for the presidential election. Well, listen, to I me, did. with every election, it's always, been, it's always been the lesser of the two evils, unfortunately. Um, because I know that, that, you know, okay, voting for myself is, is, you know, it feels better, probably, but I'm like, okay, if I have to choose which do I think is going to protect the country the most, um, just in a better financial situation. You know, all those very important issues where I can, I, most of them are egomaniacs, right? Like, so to me, it's very important to put your opinions aside about their personalities and all those things. And what are the issues? Like, I can separate whether they're a turd or not. Like, what are the issues and how are they going to run our country? With, because this country, ooh, we need some help. And I'm not willing to go down with that fight. Do you think a personal situation like, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, let's just go. Let, all right. Trump's words. You know, Trump's words are hurtful to so many people. Hunter Biden. Are we, I don't know. Are we past the point where we even care about that anymore? Should we be past the point? Uh, should it just be about, you know, like a football player, what's your performance or we're going to cut you? It doesn't matter what you did in the past. You see what I'm getting at? Where do you stand on a person's personality slash history versus their record? Um, you know, I, I will say this. My dad always said your, your track record matters, you know, as, as kids. And if you weren't honest about this or you were late for your curfew, well, then guess what? Now your curfew's been moved up because of your track record here. So I do think we have to pay attention to that. Doesn't mean that we can't um, certainly evolve as people as politicians. Um, I got over the whole personality thing <laughs> a long time ago, long before Trump, you know. Um, and by the way, I watched. I watched after I got back from Milwaukee. I watched the, um, you know, him on Tucker, and I just I was laughing throughout most of it because of. <laughs> You know, how he says things. Sometimes it's just his body language. I don't care. I, I, we have to let go of, um, listen, I don't want to let go of morals and values. You know me, I don't. But I think quite often with politicians at this level, you have to say, okay, everybody's going to have some skeletons. Tell me what you think about this policy and this one and this one and how you plan to run the country. Or maybe what we've seen, how you've run the country in the past. And that's what I need to know. So people need to... Stop being so soft and get over getting their feelings hurt about what someone tweets or language. And I mean, I, again, it happens to be Trump recently, but I don't care who it is. You know, they say, oh, they're not presidential. Uh, I can go back several presidents here and talk about them not acting in presidential ways, whatever that means. We just choose to pick and choose which is bad and which is not, which is acceptable. So, I mean, we don't need to go there now, but the list is long as far as presidents maybe not always acting presidential. I want to get back to something sports-wise, um, and I'm keeping you long because, you know, I love talking to you. Let's put it that way, ladies. You get to give it. Uh, it's been, you've been waiting to do this for years. 
I know. I know. That's right. A uh, couple of things, and it's interesting because, well, frankly, they're biracial, and you're the perfect person to ask. And I don't know if biracial matters in either case, but have you followed what's going on with Michael Orr? And did you see going back what Colin Kaepernick said about his white mother? I'm curious your thoughts on both of those uh, subjects. I haven't followed the Michael Orr as much. I, I did at the beginning with the movie, et cetera. Um, and he was a Baltimore Raven. And I had covered that team prior. My brother still works for the Ravens. So I followed it a little bit. I, I haven't much lately. I think all that really got bigger and louder right when um, I was kind of wrapping up the legal side at ESPN. It was yeah. crazy time for me. So I, I, haven't, I haven't gone deep on that one. I know there's a lot of controversy um, with it and what are the intentions of Michael of both sides? Uh, as far as Kaepernick, you know, I, I, it makes me sad quite often just because um, here's the thing. It, it's very easy for all of us to judge and we weren't there. Um, but for years and years and years, he was so positive about his family, his adoptive family and how much they loved him and changed his life, obviously saved his life in, in many ways. Um, and so I just wonder, gosh, what happened? What happened? Um, was it something behind closed doors? Or was it just him changing as a man and the way he chooses to look at the world and therefore his family? So I don't know. But it's funny. I think the comment about the cornrows um, and how his mom said whatever she said about what it looks like, you know, I don't think that that's a, a race issue. I know a lot of people. Listen, my son has longer hair right now. It's shorter than it was a month ago. Because I'm like, listen, we need to clean this up a little bit. And my son didn't have cornrows. He has hair that's like mine, just a lot straighter. And I'm like, let's clean this up. My brother, one of my brothers, when he was, this is 20 years ago, I was trying to get a job and he had cornrows. My dad said, listen, young man, I, I don't think that that's the, the best hairstyle to go in to apply for this particular job. My brother said, this is what I want. This is me. My dad said, okay, go for it. Good luck. I, you know, I hope you get the job. Didn't get the job. Um, don't know that that was the exact reason why, but what happened when he came home was the next day on his own, he went and shaved him off. Because he has a right to be him and to wear his hair however the heck he wants. And employers have a right to decide how they want their company to be represented and what they want that look to be. Hell, I was told years and years ago that I wasn't going to get a job because of my hair, because it was too curly and not traditional anchor hair. I thought that was stupid because I thought I did the job pretty well. And if they're basing whether or not they're going to hire me on my hair, that, that, that hurt. Takes me off. But, uh, you know, if it happened now, I'd be a whole different story back then. I was like, oh, my gosh. But as stupid as it is, they had that right, um, even if it doesn't feel very good. So um, I, I, I hate that we make it into a race thing automatically just because of the style of cornrows because I talked to my son about it. You know, my daughter, her hair is too. I'm like, let's, let's clean this up. You're getting ready to go into the job world. And I want, you know, you want to look a little bit more professional, I think. Um, it's called parenting. <laughs> uh, that's the way I look at it, the way I treat my kids, when my dad treated me. But I, I hope, I hope Calm can have some peace with it because um, it's been really cool to see the success that he had on the football field, you know, before everything kind of got controversial. Uh, and with that family by his side, because that, that's a beautiful thing at all. That's what it all comes back to, you know, your family. And they're the only people that you have when the world turns against you. You're divorced. I'm divorced. It's a, it, it was divorced. It, it's a tough thing to navigate. 
Um, do you consider yourself, uh, are you the tough parent? Are you the fun parent? Are you both? Are you a tough parent? I am tough, but sometimes I think I could be tougher. I'm tough. Listen, it's that West Point old school military upbringing. I had to have uh, bedroom inspections every Saturday morning. My dad would knock on our door twice, just like they did at West Point. And we'd open the door and we'd have to salute him. And he'd say, are you prepared for inspection? And of course we'd say, yes, sir, even if we weren't. And then we'd have to stand at attention as he walked around the room and looked under the bed and he found all the hiding places. And every time we didn't have something in its right place or the bed wasn't, the sheets weren't tucked properly, that was an infraction. And every infraction was 10 push-ups. <laughs> so we were doing proper military form push-ups at a very young age. And I always say that's why my arms looked so good at a young age because I had a lot of infractions. Um, I tried to do the inspection with my kids. It didn't go over quite as well. I, I am tough, but it's, it's more about accountability, you know, and, and then they're old enough now, 17, 19, and 21 to call me on some stuff too. Accountability, um, consistency, and a lot of love. And I'm a hugger and my young daughter is like, ew, we have four seconds and then you must go with me. And um, I try to balance it. And I still question myself every day as a parent, but she's a senior, the youngest is a senior. And I know that it's coming to an end here. Once they're out on the way to college, um, Life changes, and I'm sad, but I'm also so excited for her. So two down, one to go. <laughs> right. How tough was it? How, I mean, when, when it's finally over, it's over. ESPN, we've gone through all this, but you're still there. You blah, blah, blah. How tough was it on them as you were going through this? And was it tough on them at all when you finally, uh, I'm done, it's over at ESPN? Yeah, the hard part is that when I came back from um, the mediation, I was, uh, it, it was the day that they were leaving for college, my older two. Um, so I, I didn't, they were driving down North Carolina. Their dad led the way um, and they drove in the car together and I was flying back from LA. So I was heartbroken that I didn't get to hug them one more time. I had hugged them a few days prior. Um, and then talk to them and look them in the eye about everything that that happened. Listen, they 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 knew it was coming. I've been very upfront with them as much as they wanted to hear, and each one wanted to hear less or more than the other. It was very different. I just tried to be respectful of them because at the end of the day, um, I'm I took this stand, I guess, to defend myself, not just for me because yes, I was I enough was enough after many years of stuff, but. I needed my, the guy preached to them, man, to stand up and to not be quiet. And I've seen them do it in some incredible ways and to advocate for themselves, even if it's, if it's with a coaching decision. And my daughter was like, wait a minute, why, why didn't he put me in the anchor leg of the four by four relay? I've done it all year and I have the fastest time. I'm like, okay, but we need to go talk to him. Like to, to be accountable and to have conversations. And even when it's uncomfortable and scary to go talk to that mean coach, who happens to be a very kind coach. So how could I not follow through with it, you know, and and stand up for myself instead of just preaching and not practicing? So I, I hope that that's what they see, no matter, you know, all the details about it, that um, their mom who was a real softy at times, not all the time, not when it comes to what she feels is right and wrong. And I just want them, I want them to be better than me. I want them to not wait 
as long as I did, to find their voice and to find that courage. And I hope that just by talking about it a little bit more, um, so I want this to go away, but I also know the importance of of being open about kind of why, and it really was so other people didn't have to feel silenced because it was too late for me. It was too late. I knew I was done there. Even 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 without a lawsuit, I knew. So it was more about the principle, I mean, that others don't feel the same. Because I know a lot of people there and elsewhere that have felt that way. And it's just, it's not America. We're better than this. You know, it's it, it, you just said something that I, I had talked about earlier in the show. You know, I, whenever my son gets a little bit too mouthy uh, with me, I always say, just remember, I'm the only guy in your life, me and your mother, that legitimately want you to be better than we are. Like everybody else says yeah. they maybe you want you to be great, but we parents legitimately want you to be better. And that's interesting. Last thing before I let you go, you said something earlier that I really fought with. I know people don't think that I do, but I really fought with this and finally came to grips with it. You said, you know what? We all want to be liked. You wanted to be liked. I did too. I used to like cringe at a newspaper article that was bad about me. Like, oh man. But you realize, don't you? Ain't the end of the world. Who really gives a shit? Nobody does. I mean, you know, your kids love you, your family. And you get over that. How... How tough was that to get over? Because you get you get criticized, lady. You get criticized like, holy shit, I thought I got criticized. You get criticized and you don't even care. And I love that about you. How hard was that to get to that point? Very. Oh, my gosh. It's been an entire lifetime of trying to get to this point. Right. And then you realize that they crush you. And then, but wait, I woke up the next morning. I got my face on TV and I did good of a job as I could have. I was, I'm really proud of the last couple of years of all this going on, but going out there every single day because I love my job. I love my team. Um, I saw it. I heard it. Uh, I think one of the coolest things also that I felt uh, the last few years is I've never really gone back and attacked others who attacked me. Um, I don't really, I don't even respond anymore. I think a couple weeks ago I said something to somebody who's a, douchebag who deserved a lot more than what I said, um, a public figure. Uh, I think he also was fired from a news network kind of deal. Um, not also, because I wasn't fired. He was. Anyway, I rarely go back and acknowledge them because at the end of the day, I know that if people spent time with me or worked with me for the most part, um, got to know me, that they probably liked me. And if not, then something's wrong with them because I'm really nice. <laughs> But I, it just, it's such a, it took a really long time. And then when I realized that it's actually, it's not even really about me. It's about them. It's about how they feel about themselves when they are, they take so much time to think of some zinger to tweet at you or a headline. You know, again, I have people, they keep me up to date, but I just smile now. Like, man, that's a lot of negative energy that they allow to consume them and then to spew and it's been up to me to not receive that energy. I used to, and I used to cry, I used to get really upset and embarrassed, and it would affect me a lot on air too, I think in hindsight. But I think I'm not peace now. I really am. And I have been for the past year and a half, I'd say. I'm not peace knowing that I did everything I could the right way. I, I tried to be the best teammate and sports center anchor and the account down and 
Fortune on the Road and Mike and Mike updates, like all of the things for almost 17 years. And if someone doesn't like me for some random reason, what they think my politics are, what I said, what my hair looks like, that's on them. And I refuse to let that affect me anymore. That's something I need my kids to let go of before they're 50. You know, please, let's be, let's, let's give ourselves grace. And um, realize that when people are that negative, it's not about you. It's about something in their heart. And that's kind of sad. I have to apologize. Uh, and I want to do this to you for him, for Matt, to Matt Barry. I sent a tweet out. Matt is a huge supporter of yours, and I sent a tweet out. You text me, and I deleted it, and I feel bad about that because, let's be honest, um, the world doesn't – you don't get a lot of people that are supporting you. You know, I mean, you just don't. You get a lot of people that act like they are, and you know this, in jobs like yours or job that I currently have or have had, people are like, yeah, 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 you're great. Uh, get the hell out of the way so I can get into this spot. So I want to apologize to you and to Matt Barry uh, for sending out a tweet that, quite frankly, was ill-informed by me and was unnecessary. I got pissed about how people were treating you. I got pissed, uh, and I will remain pissed. So I will go. I will go. I, I will go after him. But Matt Barry did not need me to send a tweet, and to please tell Matt that I apologized. No, I, I will for sure. He's he's awesome. I got to tell you, um, I was a very hard person to support there publicly because everybody, even though I knew I had a lot of supporters, everybody was afraid to say something publicly. And so I give him so much credit. Like, I can't even tell you the talk that we had. He supported me because I was his co-hosting his teammate. We were damn good teammates for two and a half years. The best teammate I've had there ever really um and it had nothing to do with our opinions on topics or our stances on things it had nothing to do with it. it was about trying to make great tv together and by the way one of the people that didn't take things as co-host is competitive well, oh my gosh she had this many stories and he had this many and, uh, and oh my gosh to the producer can i i i deserve that because she got that we just it, was, it wasn't competitive it was so exhausting there for so many years with that stuff he was he's not like that He's a gem. He just loves sports, period. And he stood up for me a couple times, and that takes a lot. Um, so, listen, our relationship goes far beyond Bristol, Connecticut. Um, he is awesome, and I, I think that's the part that I'm going to miss the most is every day with him because there's no one funnier. Like, literally, I get an ab workout every day. Our commercial break shenanigans were the best. <laughs> and he always... He, he knew he's super quick and he's just quick witted and I'm not, it takes me a minute. He'll say a joke or say something or rip on me. And then about two minutes later, I'm like, Oh, I have a comeback now. And Oh, it's too late. The moment is gone stage. <laughs> I could laugh at myself. He certainly laughed at me a lot on live TV. And that's why it was great because it wasn't a competition. It was just an awesome friendship and, and still will be, I think it'll be even better now. That's awesome. That's awesome testament. And that tells me that that dude is awesome. And it makes me feel even worse. I'm going to confession as soon as this is over. They got noon confession over here at St. Simon. I have a meeting actually with my priest in five minutes. I'm going to be a little late. So he will forgive me. I'll say it's not his fault, but I'm literally going to hang yeah. out with my priest. He was so cool. So I have a good excuse, but that's yeah. hysterical. I, I will say, I will begin the confession yeah. for you today. How about that? <laughs> please, 
please. Hey, uh, Jonathan Taylor and the Colts in one minute, because I know you got to go. What are we doing here with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts? Okay, you're there. I wasn't asking you. I was gonna text you and ask you that question. Like, oh my gosh, what what are we doing? I, I'm just I'm shocked that it got to this point. Did anything happen yesterday? Like, is there any more news? Because hello, any team would love to have that talent in the backfield, and I mean they need him there. He obviously wants to be there. The question that that I got people inside there, and I swear to God, I had a guy tell me, Dan, I swear to God, I don't know if he's hurt or not. And that's the biggest question, isn't it? Like, it, do you want to play? Do you not want to play? Are you? Because Ballard said this. Ballard was asked about um, him removing the franchise tag, and Taylor would have come in, to which means he would have practiced. So my thought is, wait, is he hurt? You know, you know what I mean? I start thinking, well, if he's going to come in, yeah. maybe he's not hurt. That's a, that's a big issue, and that's a weird issue because we saw it with Luck. What was his injury? We saw it with Manning. Colts are crazy, but they give good content. Let's go that route. They, they do give good content. I really hope that that gets worked out. And I know, by the way, the AFC South, once again, I mean, nobody expected the Jaguars that they did last year, you know? And so um, it's going to be even more competitive throughout the entire division. So, like, you can't start behind the eight ball like this. Some, yeah, there's got to be something else funky in the background, to your point. But, yeah, the Andrew, I just saw, I think I did a whole segment um, right when the Andrew Luck thing went down, and I, I wrote this piece. I was so passionate about it um, and how the fans handled the whole thing there. I, I feel like, gosh, it's just, it's, it's not been the same since. But the other, recently, we went through all the quarterbacks that they've had since, and, um, my goodness, it's it's time. And if not, if they can't figure that out, they're, they're just they're going to be a nothing in the division. I mean, right? Isn't that to say? As a good Catholic boy with devious intentions my whole life, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. My last confession was uh, I don't know, fifteen years ago. So that's how that's where I'm headed, Sage. Right there. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, hey real quick. I love you. I can't. Thank you. Yeah. Listen, you've always been so supportive. You are crazy. Sometimes on Twitter, I was like, oh, God, there goes Dan. Dan, put down the knife. Put down the phone. Put it down. That's why I love you. Here's the thing. You've been so supportive of me as a human being, not all the other crap. And I think that um, that's what I love about you and about so many people in the state of Indiana down in Bloomington. And Throughout the industry, too, where it just it's about the human element. And I hope that we can all just focus more on that. But thank you for always caring about me and being kind. You're the best. You're the best. I mean, I, I said before, you know, people criticize ESPN. That's fine. That's over there. But the people that I got to meet, the Seth Greenbergs, the Mike Tarikos, the Sage Steels of the world, the producers, the directors, Bart Fox, Scott Johnson, my, they came to play golf with me. I've said it's the most amazing people that I've ever met in my life. There, it's like my stepdaughter went okay. to Harvard. Everybody says, oh, Harvard's horrible. The people I met at Harvard were awesome. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, and you are exactly. first and foremost among them. Thank you, Doc. It's good to see you finally. You're awesome. Thanks. Go see your priest. Bless me, Father, for okay. I have sinned. My last <laughs> confession. <laughs> I'll talk to you. I hope you'll come back and we'll talk football. Oh, I love you. Thank you. 
That's the great Sage Steele. How nice is she? She's awesome. You know, hey, look, if you don't like Sage Steele, that's on you. If you got a problem with Sage Steele, that is on you. Dislike me, but never dislike her. There's nobody in this world more awesome. That was a lot of fun. We were supposed to have Brian Erlacher on, but you know what? We were, Sage was so good that I wasn't stopping the interview unless she had to. And, of course, uh, guess what? It stopped because both of us have to go to church. Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. The great Sage Steele. Hey, we'll come back uh, tomorrow, and we will get right after. I can't thank you enough to Sage for agreeing to come on. She's only been asked by every single media outlet in the history of the world. Aaron, great job getting her. Katie, of course, Haley and Gary, and then our great production staff, Nick. Nick, too. Dylan, Ryan, Thank you, guys. I hope everybody has a great afternoon, great morning. And by the way, you can join Kent Sterling and I. We're going to be coming up in 10 minutes over on YouTube with Two Big Brains. We're going to talk Colts. We're going to talk Jonathan Taylor. Have a great afternoon, everybody.